Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Bruns, Brian Christofferson here on Wednesday in late April. That means the NFL draft is just around the corner. Michael Bruns and his newly found Russell Wilson. How are you feeling about things right now at this portion of the NFL offseason? Well, my, my opening round interest is going to be significantly lessened this year because of the uh, the Russell Wilson thing, but... I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Denver's trying to pull together the 2011 Wisconsin Badgers. They just re-signed Melvin Gordon. They, they had, they've got Russell Wilson. You see, like Chris Borland to come out of retirement, come back for the Broncos, and I feel like you've got everybody you need there. Maybe, maybe uh, was it Nick Toon? Can, can we get a Nick Toon sighting in Denver? Was it Jared Abaderis that was their annoying wide receiver that just continually made plays despite having no speed and really no sides to speak of? That that particular year, yes, it was Abaderis, and then they moved on to a new guy. But the uh, that that would be also be an appropriate um, <laughs> signing, I guess. We if, if we could do we could do a podcast uh, sometime on like ten players who have been Husker opponents who Nebraska fans sort of think of in this, uh, this uh, higher platform than they actually were most of their careers because they had career days against Nebraska. That could be fun. I would put Aberderis as a candidate possibly on that list because he always seemed to make a abracadabra type catch. And then if you looked at his numbers after the year, you're like, what the stink? He doesn't do that much really. <laughs> and then, uh, like uh, Kane Coulter. Kane Coulter had that one big game, and he was an okay player, but it, it, you would think that guy, uh, you know, was like Paul Horning or something. So the, I, I don't know. It's the Dean I, Lowry All-Stars. Yeah. Yeah. Lowry. I would like to I'd like to submit two names from Purdue. There's the obvious David Blau, who had his way with Nebraska's secondary a couple different times. But then there's the, the deeper cut, and if you look at his numbers against Nebraska, he probably did better than any receiver across the same four or five year stretch. D'Angelo Yancey absolutely torched Nebraska every time he played him. Even when he was like a freshman, he had two catches for two touchdowns for like 110 yards. It's insane. I just remember every time they'd be playing Purdue when D'Angelo Yancey was there, I'd be fascinated that he wasn't very good at any other point in time, but Nebraska's secondary would let him run free. It might fit with the David Blau thing too, but he, he kind of was like, he crossed over before uh, before Jeff Brown's era, too. I, was it Daryl Hazel? He was on those teams. He was like the bright spot for him in those Nebraska games. Sutton Smith, Northern Illinois. That is that. Yeah. Um, he would be. He would be a, a guy. Um, yeah, you could go. You could go down it, for a while. Is our goal to get people to turn off this podcast? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> well, it kind of ties in with the NFL draft if we're going to talk that a little bit because it feels like for too many years Nebraska's like the poster. They're like the guy on the poster getting dunked on in in the like here's the highlight 40 seconds of highlight film on this guy who just got picked in the fourth round and oh yeah 32 of the 40 seconds are against Nebraska. The 2019 Nebraska Ohio State game lived in the NFL draft for like I don't know 70 total minutes of highlights of whether it was you know and and that went across multiple years because that was just Justin Fields first year so the that game in particular is among the most I think that that has appeared in like NFL draft highlights that I can think of because Ohio State had like 30 people drafted off of that yeah team. The, the there was some intern at ESPN that spent a lot of time with that game footage. Like, I think that's pretty pretty safe to say. Maybe that's why that game was chosen for the uh, the game day experience. They're just like, well, we could just load up on this now. Yeah, we're gonna need this in April. Yeah. Who was that defensive back that just shoved Wandale Robinson out of the way on the third play of the game for Nebraska for that interception? It was uh, Okuda, right? Jeffrey Okuda. He just was tracking Wandale Robinson, reading Adrian Martinez, and just like blast him out of the way. And at that point, it was like, "Oh, this is this is going to be bad." Then you had the little reprieve where they ran the uh, the Dedrick Mills triple option play like five times with great success, and then they never used it again the rest of his career. Yeah, it was great stuff. Great stuff. I feel like you just recapped the entire 2019 game. That was the highlights. <laughs> Yeah, that would that'd be the that'd be also like uh, remember the old diamond formation that Tim Beck had. Oh, yeah. People are oh, like, man. why won't they? Why won't they run that more? They, was they, that the bone <laughs> formation? Is that what it was called or something? I think he, yeah, I think he called it that. Everybody just called it the diamond. Um, it was one of those things like in Husker lexicon, sort of like the peso, you know, back in the Polini years. The, remember the peso overtook the conversation for an offseason? Yeah, who's going to be the peso defensive back? Who's going to yeah. replace, uh, was it Eric Hag or or who, was it Dejon Gomes? One of those two was like the, the 2010 <laughs> peso defensive back. Then I caught up with it and I was like, oh, that's sort of another way to talk about the nickel. <laughs> it's like just sort of a variation of that. But yeah. All right, so people haven't turned it off by now. We'll give them reason to continue listening. Let's uh, let's talk about Nebraska football's NFL draft prospects. I mean, I, there's it's it's been sort of interesting because I I think that you know at different points of the 2021 season you might have had people saying maybe two guys get taken, maybe three, and now as we look at it, uh, just you know what a scant. 40 some hours away from this thing starting maybe even less um it it sure feels like they're going to have multiple guys uh going in this draft and and maybe even as high as Friday in that second third round slot uh where I think either Cam Taylor Britt or Cam Jurgens could could end up in in those rounds I think everybody else is probably more like fifth sixth seventh round but those two guys seem to have really kind of worked their way up draft boards. Am I am I misreading this at all, Brian Christopherson? No, uh, I think Cam Jurgens is going to get picked on day two. Um, just a feeling because he's he's such a freak, uh, which we knew he would be when he tested. Um, and 
I know we were always distracted for fair reason about the snaps for like half of his center experience that were wayward. But I think, I do think Scott Frost's initial read on Cam Jurgens, um, you know, may, maybe there was a little bit of uh, too much when the, the Remington name was like attached to him and, and that got everybody going. But I do think the idea that this is a spot where he can really excel at the next level was always right. And I always did try to push back on people who were like, oh, that was a stupid move and all that. It was just a matter of getting those snaps in order. But I think NFL teams are going to look at just the way he moves and for his size and say, this is a guy who can last 10 to 12 years in this league. He's a pretty safe bet as a, as a, as a pretty flexible guy, too. So I don't know. I'll let uh, Bruns run with maybe Cam Taylor-Britt, who I also think uh, – you know, I don't know if he'll be a second day guy, but I think he will be like right on the cusp of getting picked if he's not by then. Yeah, it's he's an interesting one because I think when he was at the senior bowl, I think he really impressed teams with his physicality. I mean, you could kind of see that, um, you know, during the you know, from Nebraska clips and things like that. I mean, he's a he's a physical corner. Um, and I think for him, it's going to come down to fit. I think it's going to come down to, um, you know, just need at that point um, as you kind of get towards the end of day two when, when teams are looking around. Um, he, he, he's he been a guy that's kind of been all over the place. It seems like in mock drafts with you – know, I've seen him as high as like late second, early third, um, seen him down to the fifth round. It, it's, uh, it, it's interesting. We can talk about this too, but – you know, the if you kind of track visits and where guys are going and how many visits guys have been on with pro teams after the the combine and pro days and stuff like that. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt's been a lot of places. Um, and, and another guy that we can talk about later too, Samori Touré. He he's also made the rounds for a guy that, you know, I, I think many kind of saw as maybe like a late third day undrafted free agent type guy. I, I think there's some intrigue about him too. So I, I think with Cam, it, it really is just going to be, you know, matching the, the the point in the draft with a team that really has the need for a corner. Because I think he's going to he's going to be a guy that I think is going to play and, and play pretty well in the league just based on his athleticism and the fact that he's still is relatively new to that position too. I think there's still room for him to grow. Are you are either of you less than a hundred percent confident that Nebraska will have two guys taken? in the NFL draft over the next uh, three, four days? Um, I think they're going to have, I'll say four. Yeah. I mean, so, so what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get at is you're, you're hundred percent confident that they'll have two taken. Yeah. Are you hundred percent confident they'll have three taken? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. The third being, we'll start with Michael Brunts. Jojo Delman. And why? Um, well, I think he can help teams kind of in a similar way to like a Nate Gary where, you know, he, he can he can cover. Um, you know, I think Doman's better better in coverage somewhat than Gary was. But, um, you know, I, I think he's shown that, you know, he, he can, you know, be a, a ball hawk. I think he kind of has that, that nose for the football that teams kind of look for and, and feel of the game. So I, I think he's going to be in there. I think, I think four is probably a safe number. And I think that there's probably a, a case to be made for potentially getting five. Um, 
So I, I would say that Doman is the one that I also feel really good about. I think too, you know, when you start start talking about like the the, the All Star games and, and stuff like that, I mean, it, if a guy's in the Senior Bowl, there's a pretty darn good chance that he's going to be picked. So I I, I would uh, I, I would lean that to that being a pretty safe bet that Doman's going to go. Doman, your third as well, BC. Yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time placing which round JoJo is going to go, but I, he's just too versatile to to go all seven without getting picked. And then I sort of think Toure's the fourth. Oh, um, okay. Um, I don't know on Austin Allen could be too, uh, but I don't know. I just don't have a good feel on Allen. I know, I know, like he didn't do well on the bench, but he knew that was going to happen with his long arms and stuff. And I have to think Austin Allen's a guy who, when he gets in front of teams and converses with them and they talk football, is going to impress the heck out of them. And I could see him being a late-round guy. But Toure, I mentioned as my fourth because it feels like, as Brunt said, like you're seeing his name pop up in all these locations. And then, I mean, sometimes I think the NFL people outthink themselves on certain guys. Like, here's a player who... His whole career has done nothing but torch teams, including at Nebraska when Nebraska played their best competition last year. Who got loose like every time? It was Toure against Ohio State guys, against Wisconsin guys. It didn't matter. And I think he put to bed the. I think there was this thought that Toure was going to run like a four, five, eight or something, 40. And at least at the pro day, which maybe it's a fast track, whatever, he was legitimately down for a 4-4-2 or something like that and so I think once he did that that sort of uh silenced some of the doubters on that front and and then I just watching him run routes at that pro day event it's like man this guy is polished like I see why he gets open the way he does throughout his career he's just so like everything he does is so technical and I I I think he's going to be an appealing player Brunts, do you want to take this time to give one more oddly specific Austin Allen prediction? <laughs> uh, I think he's going to go. I, I think he's going to go midway through the seventh. I think he's okay. he's going to be a, a late late pick. Um, I'd have to look to see what what spot number that would potentially be. Um, but I, I I would say mid 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 uh, mid seventh is when we we hear Austin right. Allen's name. Called 232nd overall, Brunt says. Who's that two? Who who who, who would get him in that situation? I'll, I'll look it up right now. You fill okay. time. Yeah, Actually, I mean, tell he, us your thoughts on Samari Toure. I know you're talking about the visits, but do you agree? Would you put Toure slightly ahead of Austin Allen at this point right now? Yeah, I mean, I I think the tough part is is that the the tight end core in this class is really good and. You know, the the thing I wonder about, I know he's, you know, six foot eight, um, you know, six foot nine. If you're a, a broadcaster, I think he the the time he ran at the combine, I was kind of like, oh, you know, even though he's a bigger guy, you know, there were some big guys putting up some pretty quick numbers at the combine, too. But I agree with Brian. I mean, I think he's a guy that, that teams can feel pretty good about drafting. Um, he was extremely productive last year. Obviously, my you know my bit about Austin Allen aside during the hype cast, I think he was underutilized during his time at Nebraska. So, 
you know, I, I think that's why I would say, you know, there would be a team that's kind of like if they're on the fence about, you know, a seventh rounder, I, I could see where he would be a pretty safe bet to to be a guy they'd want to bring into into training camp. Sometimes life has a way of just making you laugh. The 232nd pick overall, the Denver Broncos. Congrats to Michael Brunts. Yeah. Austin Allen, Denver Broncos, 232nd overall. I So I actually probably I, – I feel like Allen has a better chance of going before Toure, um, in part because I just think that Austin Allen – kind of just fits that developmental tight end mold that you take late uh, that, you know, and, and part of it is, is the crappy Vikings football that I've watched over the last few years, but teams just love taking tight ends late in drafts because it's cheap. You throw them in, they can be your third tight end and goal line formations. They have the ability to, to get out, uh, you know, in short space in a red zone at six foot nine, you're going to be able to utilize that a little bit. I think Allen can hold his own as a blocker and still get better there. And then you get a couple of years to kind of develop them to see if they can sort of turn into being a full field guy instead of just a short area one. And so I, I really think Austin Allen has a, has a good shot of being a sixth, seventh round guy with a nice NFL career. I want to, I want to finish up with this. Um, so I, I feel like we hit on the five guys that are most likely to have their name called in the NFL draft. I, I tweeted this when BC asked about it. But if I could bet on the one guy, because there's always somebody that Nebraska has that's an undrafted free agent that hangs around longer in the NFL than you ever think that they would. I think Ben Stilley's going to be that guy. I think that he'll just find the right team that basically is going to be like, okay, you can you can be on our practice squad to start with. He'll keep working his way through. Like he's just he's always sort of I think overlooked by people, but all he ever does is show up, practice and play. And then he produces at a pretty high rate. And he's got a flexible body size where if you wanted to beef him up and have him as a, as a defensive tackle, you could probably do that. If you wanted him to be a three, four defensive end, he could probably do that. If you need him to be in a heavy goal line defensive formation or short yardage formation, he can do that. I, I just think that Ben Stilley, I don't think he's going to get drafted, but I, I do think that he could have like a three to five year NFL career as an undrafted free agent. And I, I just think he gets overlooked. I think it's it's easier for those kinds of guys to hang around that, than it used to be, too, um, with, with the way that they're doing practice squads now. And I mean, you, you're right. I mean, there's there's guys that, you know, for a few years have kind of hung around and, and kind of found their chance uh, through through the you know undrafted free agency route. He, he is interesting because of his versatility. I, I think he could probably play in either a 3-4 or a 4-3 if, if you, you needed him to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got – I think he's got a chance. Um, I was I was surprised at the way that he kind of looked at Pro Day. I mean, he looked like he had really kind of transformed him and transformed himself there and, and put himself in a good spot to, to maybe attract some teams. I'd like uh, opportunity to pop up for Damian Daniels. I don't think he's going to get drafted, um, but he'll get a free agent shot. And he's got, I mean, he's got really good film last year. When you talk, we talk about the Big Ten being a rugged league in the trenches, and Damian was a problem for some big time teams. I mean, and so that when you think sometimes 
I, you get caught up in all the data that comes out after their their season, and maybe that's not as favorable to him. But I think he did show teams since the season ended that he can bring his body weight down or up wherever they want it to be, and that was one of his goals. And one thing I'm not going to participate in is I think if he he probably won't get picked and there's going to be a lot of like, well, he should have come back and all this. And I, I understand that thought, but the other part of that is he was in this program five years. Hmm. And I mean, he's a 23, 24 year old man now, and he wants to see what the next chapter in his life in is. And I think he knew on pro day that maybe it wasn't going exactly as he had plotted out as far when he talked to us, but he was also sort of like, this is the situation it is. I'm, I'm going forward with this and I'm going to be at peace about it and move on to the next part of my life. Obviously, Nebraska wishes they had Damian Daniels at the fold right now. Maybe Damian wishes he were in the fold right now. I don't know. But I, I, uh, he's a guy I'm going to root for because you saw how he worked to transform himself during his career here. And he, 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 he spent his time here. He spent more time than most people do in this program. Yeah, I I agree with that uh, entirely. I mean, I, I think that um, Damian represents, you know, what you want this program to be. That was a guy who developed over five years and he gave you his best football at the end. And and you said it. I mean, he, he played five years here. I mean, I, I think anybody you get for that six year, you know, beyond is, is always just a bonus. Yeah. So, I, okay, here's the... To- I don't know. Maybe you want to tie it up with this. What's your final, uh, if you were to make draft round predictions on guys, what would you say then? I posted in your thread. I went Cam Jurgens two, Cam Taylor Britt four, Jojo Doman six, Austin Allen six, Samari two race seven. So I have five. I feel very confident that three will be taken. And then I think Austin Allen will too. So um, two, two raises the one that I'm, I'm maybe least confident in, but I think it's going to be a good overall draft for Nebraska, which will reflect that they were a talented team that severely underachieved last year. I'll say Jurgens two, Taylor Britt late three, Doman five, Austin Allen picked two thirty-two to the Denver Broncos, <laughs> and I Toure is the one that I'm kind of go back and forth on, uh, and I think. I think he'll probably be a very, very, very coveted um, undrafted free agent. That could be. So put me down for four. Yeah. I feel like four is the good, like the safe number because I don't know. Yeah, kind of like I, with Toure Allen, I feel like kind of either of them or both could get picked, but I don't know for sure. Um, I'll just be different and be the guy who goes to Ray gets in and Allen is just off, but I wouldn't be, I hope Austin gets picked. Obviously great, great guy. I'll say Jurgens early third. Um, I might've said second earlier, but I'm switching. I'll say Taylor Britt early fourth, Doman late fifth to Ray seventh. And Allen is right on the fringe uh, as a free agent, but I hope he gets picked. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, shifting gears from guys that have left the program to guys Nebraska is trying to bring into the program. Oshan Mathis, decision coming on Saturday, April 30th. Nebraska, Texas, uh, Big 12 showdown, North versus South, um, Midwest versus South. I don't know. What else, what else can we how, – how do we want to play this up? How do you hype it up? Brunts, set the scene. Well, if there's, I'm known for my hype. So um, I think – I don't know. Was it old SEC, new, new SEC versus – versus uh big big 10 i don't know no okay. that doesn't that really set the table what's the name of the referee that put a second back on the clock who went to he's he, you know that no idea okay he, he went on in the nfl and continued to, to he actually didn't make the wrong call in that game i whisper the nebraska texas 09 game but he uh um he botched he just botched a lot of calls in the nfl but that guy somehow should have a like blow the whistle before O'Shawn Mathis uh, announces maybe. Well, if people hadn't turned the podcast off before, they certainly <laughs> turned it off after BC gave his thought. Dan Beatty comes Brown's in and announces sec. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. It's just, I, I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> what, what, what are we supposed to say though? O'Shawn Mathis, where do, where do you think he's going to go? Do you have an, do you have a feeling? I have been pretty strong, you know, we're fortunate with the network that we work in that I feel like a lot of guys are, are pretty tied in and no one at Texas has ever gave any indication. They think O'Shawn Mathis is going anywhere but Texas. And maybe you think that's just outsized hubris of, of, you know, covering a program that is perceived to be miles above where Nebraska's at. I don't know, but I just, Everything adds up that Texas looks like the place. He's from Texas. He's made multiple visits to Texas. They can certainly afford to offer an NIL package. Gary Patterson's involvement. He knows a lot more people on that Texas team. I think he had a great Nebraska visit. I think Nebraska got a fair opportunity, but it was always going to be hard to pull a Texas kid who went to TCU out of Texas. And I I would be surprised if it's not the Longhorns on Saturday. We'll we'll see if any late information comes to light. But right now, on Wednesday, I'm in the same spot where I was two weeks ago and the same spot where I was about a month ago. And it just feels like this is still the Longhorns' one to lose. And do either of you have optimism about this uh, with O'Shawn Mappis at this point? Um, well, the other factor that... I mean, maybe I obviously there's a need at Nebraska, right? Like there, there's playing time to be had in gobs. And from talking to to some of our folks that cover Texas, I mean, they're they're kind of in a, a very similar boat where there's a significant need for help um, along that defensive front down there. So that that's kind of the uh, the other interesting, I guess, evening. Fa- 
kind of evens things out there that that both teams are just so desperate for help up front that um you know coming in and and you know the the playing time conversation is kind of a moot point at both schools yeah i i mean i i respect the the especially the people we have down in texas i think they they have good ties so i don't uh just throw away what they're saying i think nebraska on their end has felt really good about the presentation they've made and feels like they got a fighting shot and so um I kind of come down to this. I sort of think it's going to be Texas just because like I sort of on these type of things, I like to picture like on Saturday morning, whenever this happens, like when the announcements made, what would surprise you more? And I guess like Nebraska at the end of all this pulling a kid basically from the neighborhood school, which Texas is uh, to O'Shawn Mathis to come up here would be uh, one of the great recruiting wins really in recent time and so the the magnitude of that i uh, i don't think you could un, you can overplay so that's why i would i would predict texas if i had to bet my vehicles on it uh but i i'm not so sure about it and the thing you never know is if a guy sort of wants to just get out of a spot and be somewhere different like sometimes the home factor is an advantage and sometimes it's not and his mom has also said there's a lot of people yakking that they know this and that, and only we know. And I guess it comes down to if you think that's right or not. Okay. So O'Shawn Mathis is one. Uh, Nebraska hosted Devin Drew over the weekend. We have not caught up with him for a full update, but indications are that it went well. Devin Drew from Iowa Western and Kansas City before that, then at Texas Tech where he had two pretty successful years uh, before moving on. I think that Devin Drew would be a good addition. I mean, if, if Nebraska pulled in both O'Shawn Mathis and Devin Drew, that would be a nice haul for them, I think, to, to kind of go towards uh, making people feel better about that defensive front. Uh, in addition to Devin Drew, there's another guy that Nebraska appears to be pursuing. Brunce, what can you tell us about a defensive lineman from Canada who is transferring out of Florida? Yeah, Nebraska – Keeping a lot of irons on the fire. They're set to host Lamar Goods, um, who, as you said, is Canadian, Canadian defensive tackle. Uh, did a, a, a year at uh, St. Thomas More in um, Connecticut, same school as Alante Brown. Um, and then was at Florida, kind of got discombobulated with the COVID year. Um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, needed a, a change of scenery, but kind of the the bigger gap-filling type defensive tackle, more along the lines of a, a Damian Daniels type. He's going to be visiting Nebraska officially on May 12th. He told me, um, you know, that that's – I think Nebraska is kind of, you know, the, the leader for him right now. They, they've obviously stressed, you know, the need and um, the opportunity they have there. He's a little bit more of a guy that I think would probably be more developmental yeah, it's um, backfilling, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's filling in where they kind of came up short on the defensive line the last couple of years. Right. But, you know, a guy that's been through a you know major college program knows what to expect. And, um, you know, he, his dad was a 10-year starter in the CFL. Um, so definitely, a, you know, a, a kid that has some talent in his, uh, in his family mm. tree. Cool. <clears throat> uh, continuing along the transfer portal rundown, we're going to switch sports to basketball. 
a little bit of a blow for Nebraska as they lost a recruiting battle to Kentucky, which is not something you say about Nebraska basketball a whole lot. But they were unable to uh, to walk away with, I believe it was Antonio Reeves from Illinois State. He visited both Nebraska and Kentucky. He released a top five yesterday, and then he committed to Kentucky on Wednesday. Brunt, correct me if I'm wrong, Nebraska doesn't have any available spots currently for this this cycle, right? If, if Trey McGowan's and Lat Man were to come back, aren't they already won over? Well, yeah, they, I mean, Lat Man, we, we don't know anything, but it, all indications are that he's probably not going to be back next year. Um, Trey McGowan's name popped up uh, officially on the early entrance to the NBA draft uh, this morning. Not a surprise there either. He hadn't really said a ton publicly about that. Uh, he's going to explore that draft process, but that that's kind of where Nebraska's at right now. And it's, it, it's interesting, though, the timing of things because you have more guys entering the portal now. Um, you know, with Trey, you're probably not going to have a decision made for a little while. I, I think they know what Lat's decision is going to be. So I think that's why you're seeing the pursuit of, of additional guys out of the transfer portal. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think for what Nebraska's needs are, I think they need a wing that can score. I, I think that's probably what the remaining – big uh, box to check is Brian what do you what do you yeah I meant to actually throw this question to Brian you're fine but what I mean but that's that's kind of where they're at right now is still they're still combing the portal like everybody else is yeah I think you want to always play from ahead like you if even if Trey comes back and you happen to land a guy in the meantime and your lat doesn't come back then you'd be one over still but, and you deal with that. I mean, it, this is modern college athletics. Someone would have to move along. There'd be some conversations and, and on you go. But I think what you don't want to do is have both Trey and Lat move, which is a real possibility. And then you haven't been doing anything or building any relationships or networking at all in the portal. And you're one down going into this season. So I totally understand why they're doing this. And they also know more than we know about certain guys. I, I think Bruns is exactly right on Lat. I don't expect him to return. And Trey's a little bit more of a mystery to me. And, you know, I understand what Trey's doing too. I, I always, you know, when people see like NBA draft candidate lists and they see like Trey McGowan's attached to it, sometimes there's some snark and people got to step back and be like, there's a lot of ways to earn money playing basketball. And it's just really seeing – like, what's your evaluation? Like, where could you go if, if it's not the NBA um, where you could make money? And maybe that's the next step at this point in his life. He's a get, he's like 23 years old, too. So um, I just think Nebraska's playing ahead on this. And uh, if you could have got Antonio Reeves, the guy who's averaging 20, 21 points a game at Illinois State, I mean, that would have you, – you make room however you got to make room for a guy like that. Um, you know, same with Shireman out of, you know, the Aurora native, but everybody wants him and that's going to be a tough. <laughs> is he is, <laughs> one, he might be so. the most sought after player in transfer portal basketball history. I mean, the, it was stunning. I, I heard pretty quickly on, what was that? Was that Monday afternoon that he entered the portal? Yeah. That so. uh, he was already fielding phone calls from Gonzaga and Duke within an hour of being in the portal. I mean, we're talking about, an elite program in Duke and an elite program in Gonzaga. And 
a kid from Aurora, Nebraska that was at South Dakota State. Like it's the portal, just like everything else, is going to be dictated by the the top teams. I mean, I, I I think it always sounds so good to basically like, well, we're going to go get this guy out of a portal or we're going to get this type of player out of it. And then you learn that literally everybody wants the same thing. That's one good players. That's one cool part about the portal, though. There is a cool part there because a guy like him would have never got a chance. Oh yeah, no, I love it. I'm very happy. For I mean, him. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna play at a blue blood basketball program, and people in this state are gonna watch a Nebraskan potentially compete for a national title, which is not something you get to say very often. As he leads Fred Hoiberg's team to the Final Four, I get what you're saying. <laughs> he's not going to Nebraska. <laughs> I I will. I feel very confident in saying that. So, um, all right. Uh, Brunts, in 60 seconds or less, sum up Nebraska <laughs> baseball. Uh, well, there's a little tension over at Nebraska baseball. You're get the, the calendar is almost ready to turn to May. You have four conference series left, and Nebraska sitting right on the cusp of the line to make or not make the Big Ten baseball tournament. I think that's going to be what's going to dominate the baseball conversation for the next month is this hand-wringing about whether or not they make it in or not. And those four series, you have Iowa this weekend. You have Minnesota, who um, has has struggled to play baseball this year, I think is a nice way of putting it. Uh, they also have Illinois, who's towards the top of the Big Ten standings, and then also Michigan State, who is just a notch above Minnesota. So two really tough series um, and, and two that you should be able to, to go out and, and do something with. So um, they're, they're starting to maybe turn the corner a little bit, ever so slightly at the plate. They're maybe not turning the corner, but they can see the corner. We'll see if that continues this weekend, but um, we're recording this on Wednesday. They've got Omaha tonight, three games against Iowa, and then two series on the road in Big Ten play following that. So, you know, the, the concern right now are the Big Ten series. That That's, uh, you know, the, the midweek stuff is kind of window dressing at this point, but they, uh, they need to get it in action. And I think uh, a lot of the people that make money off of tickets in Omaha are hoping that Nebraska also gets it into action. All right. That was your baseball rundown. Any final thoughts here? Any Anything you guys want to get off your chest to our listening audience? Any admissions? Any revelations? Did Florida State really score that touchdown in 1993, BC? Or was it a fumble? W- William Floyd? Yeah. Oh, that was a fumble. Um, yeah. I don't know if replay would have overturned it, though, because um, it was right. It, they might have stuck with the call on the field, but it was a fumble. I got to make up for letting that referee off the hook for 2009. I got to start going back <laughs> did, to some stuff. Did Matt Davison actually catch the ball? <laughs> yeah, he caught it. That was a definite catch. And and also, I don't think there should have been a penalty because I think it was enough of a haze about whether it was an intentional kick or not when the ball got kicked in the air. So I think it was perfectly legal. So see, I'm making up as we go. Was Brandon Riley in bounds? I think Nebraska got a little bit of a gift on that one. Also, remember the Michigan State guy just dropped a pick like right through yep. his mm-hmm. hands on the play before that? Yeah. Um, I, I had a follow-up for Brunts, actually. It's real quick about baseball. A real quick follow-up. Let's say they did make it as a seven or eight seed. Do you see a pathway with the pitching 
with how they've been decimated there to that they could make a run? Or is there like guys who are developing who could make them, you know, have a magical weekend or something in Omaha? Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, in those situations, you either need a ton of pitching depth, which Nebraska doesn't have due to injury, or you need to just bludgeon teams with with offense, which we as we know, Nebraska has tended to not do this year. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's you know, maybe you get in and if you can win that first game, I mean, that's always the question. If you, if you can get off to a good start, maybe you, you have a pathway. But I mean, th- this is not a roster right now in the, with the way that it's performing that is a perfect fit for tournament style baseball. I mean, you, you need typically three starters in that situation that you can feel good about and maybe a midweek guy that can, can give you a, a good start in a, an elimination game. And, and, you know, Nebraska's got young guys that they like, I mean, Jackson Brockett's kind of come on recently, but um, you know, I, I don't know that, that, that the depth is there. And especially, you know, in, in high leverage situations for Nebraska to go in there and just run their way through the tournament. Yeah. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a team that has a very thin margin everywhere. And that's a really tough place to uh, to be when you're trying to win a tournament like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The All other right. the, the only oh, other oh, thing, Schaefer, the, the grinder, a show that Schaefer and I like that was only on one. Season. Fantastic. I found Is it coming it, back? I found it on uh, a thing called Tubi TV. Oh, Tubi. Tubi TV as the wow. grinder. So folks who have never heard of that show, because Schaefer and I are the only two who have heard of it, <laughs> besides uh, Rob Lowe, uh, Fred Savage is in it. Go go check it out on Tubi TV. It's a tremendous show. <laughs> it, it should have lasted far more than one season. Is Tubi one of those streaming apps where you get to watch three minutes of the show and then two and a half minutes of commercial followed by three minutes of the show followed by two and a half minutes of commercial. There are commercials on it, but it's not that bad. And I was surprised by sort of the selection on Tubi TV. I've kind of, <laughs> kind of has my Today's podcast sponsored by Tubi. <laughs> Big Tubi guy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, for Michael Brunson, Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We are Husker 24-7. And be sure to check out Husker247.com. Plenty of coverage. We'll have plenty of draft coverage uh, throughout the weekend as guys get selected. There's still recruiting going on, believe it or not. Uh, we didn't dive a lot into it. Maybe we'll do that more next week. But the coaches are out on the road. Offers are going out. They're both near and far. Uh, quite a few offers in St. Louis, New Jersey. Uh, an offer here today on Wednesday down in Derby, Kansas, uh, for I think a pretty interesting defensive lineman. So we'll we'll see what Nebraska is able to turn up off of the recruiting trail, but you can find that at Husker 24-7. The march to Omaha continues. Brunts will have all of that coverage. Big series this weekend against Iowa. Do you have a prediction you'd like to make on that series? Uh I do not. I think Iowa probably wins two or three. All right. Brunts says Nebraska will be sad. Um, All right. I think that does it for us. We'll catch you next week with another edition of Husker 24-7 podcast. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. 
Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.